Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. When the Lord calls us to His work, it always seems like He always promises us these three things. Number one, He promises us that He's going to make sure that we have what we need to accomplish those things. So in other words, God just doesn't tell us to do something and leave us uh, out, uh, out to uh, hang and dry. Number two, He makes sure that He's always with us every step of the way. And number three, He always makes sure that we know that is in fact God that is leading us. We see this pattern time after time throughout Scripture. Would you consider Abraham for a moment? God told Abraham, literally, I want you to go. What did Abraham do? He got his family up, and not knowing exactly where to go or how long he was supposed to go to, by faith, he simply went. Yes, there were ups and downs, and yes, there were challenges, but all along the way, Abraham, because he was moving by faith, he knew that God was with him. How about Jacob? God told Jacob's family, hey, I want you to go leave from where you are and go back to a place called Bethel. What did Jacob do? He got his family up and sanctified them, and by faith, off they went. Along the way, there were some troubles and tribulations, and there were some difficulties. Yet, when he got there, God gives him the grace to uh, build an altar and call it El Bethel. Well, God told him to go to Bethel at first, but when he got there, that geographical place was changed to El Bethel. What is that El before the Bethel? El means God in Hebrew. So before uh, Jacob had made that move by faith, it was just a geographical name. It was just a city there. But when God got involved in the process, it became a God Bethel. And by the way, that is a testimony of your life and my life. I was just a regular James Kim, just doing my regular James Kim thing. But when God got a hold of my life and He started working through it, then I became the L. James Kim. So just as Moses was speaking to God, God was speaking to Moses, He does the same for us. So when God calls us to do His work, these three promises always follow. The question this morning is, what has God called you to do in this local church at Liberty Baptist? Have you been obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit of God in service for Him? You see, in our passage this morning, Moses was simply not getting it. But I'm glad for the fact that the Bible is not a recollection of perfect people always doing perfect things. Amen. How depressing would it be reading your Bible and it's always the perfect Bible characters doing the perfect thing and you're here trying to work 40 hours and live life and, and do the Christian life thing and it's not working. But I'm so glad that the Bible is just a recollection of imperfect people just like you and I that trusted God and obeyed God and have experienced God in a very real way because of our faith. So this morning, I'd like to share with you how God worked in the life of Moses in learning these three promises. 
See, at Lighthouse Baptist Church in uh, Theodore, Alabama, where I'm from, uh, I'm among one of the most favored preachers. And the reason is because my messages are short, amen? And uh, uh, Pastor McMains gave me a timeline. I said, oh, I get that long to preach? Uh, and he said, yeah, you know, we want to uh, beat everybody else to all the restaurants before uh, church gets out. So I'm on a mission. I'll get the plane flying and we'll get a landing, amen? Well, you see, from our passage of Scripture, first of all, I see that God's power makes the impossible possible. God's power makes the impossible possible. If you look through the book of Exodus, God didn't call Moses from chapter 4 that we just read, but it was actually a whole chapter before in chapter 3. Chapter 3 and verse 9 says, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I, God, will send thee, Moses, unto Pharaoh, that they mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So Moses meets God in a burning bush and God tells him to take your shoes off because you're on, uh, you're on holy ground. By the way, if you're in an Asian home, your, your house is always on holy ground because your shoes are always off. Well, anyway, so God talks to Moses and says, hey, Moses, I want you to go to uh, Pharaoh and uh, rescue my people out. Now, this was in chapter 3. But you see, after a whole entire chapter in chapter 4, where we just read our scripture reading, he's still arguing with God about whether he's going to go or not. Look with me in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10 that we just read. And Moses said unto the Lord, after a whole entire chapter of God telling him to go, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, all the way back in chapter 3, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Just as God spoke to Moses and commanded him to go, oftentimes in our prayer life and maybe through the preaching of God's Word and through different avenues, God still talks to us, does He not? Sometimes He puts a burden on our heart to serve in a particular area or, or gives us a burden to uh, do some things for the lost and the needy and but oftentimes, all of those thoughts and voices just come and go, and it doesn't really show as fruit. Why is that? Maybe it's because though God is clearly shown and spoken to us, yet we talk back like Moses. Lord, I'm too shy to share the gospel. Or, Lord, I'm too old to serve. Or, I'm too young to serve. Or, Lord, I don't have the ability. I'm too tired. My schedule is full. I'm too busy. But what was the first promise that God gives us when He calls us? It's the fact that He makes sure that we have what we need to accomplish those things. So Moses tells God, Lord, Lord, I'm not a good speaker, and I'm not this and that. I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. And in verse 11, and the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or death or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Have you forgotten who I am, Moses? Bro, it's like, I made you, bro. <laughs> I'm the one that's created you. I'm the one that's calling you. In fact, not only that, I'm the one that's going to give you the ability. It's not by your power or your might or your ability or your charisma in the first place. I'm going to give you everything that you need to accomplish this. And Moses still says no. 
when God gets to work, His power makes the impossible possible. There is another story of something that seemed impossible that became possible by God's power. I remember when I first moved to Alabama, in fact, I had to look on the map where Alabama was. I was like, oh boy, I'm in Southern California. It's all the way down. Well, I thought this much, oh, it's, it's only this much from Orlando. Great. I think I'll have a good time. It's nine hours drive. <laughs> so he said, it's, it's not that close. Well, a pastor in Alabama had uh, wanted to start a Korean ministry in a Korean church, so I prayed about it and felt like it was the Lord's will, so we were going to go. But you know, there is some very, very essential things that you have to have in order to start a Korean church. Anybody want to take a guess? Yeah, I mean, just because you look like me, it doesn't mean you can start a Korean church, amen? You have to be able to preach in Korean, right? Well, a very wise pastor from L.A. said, hey, James, I know you're going to uh, go to Alabama and start a Korean church, and I understand I'm happy for you and everything, but have you ever preached in Korean before? And I thought about it, you know, I, I mean, I, I was born in Korea, but I, you know, went to Australia when I was four years old as a missionary kid, and, and I, I grew up there, basically, and afterwards, I came to um, Lancaster, and I did all my theology work and my seminary work in English, and I was thinking about, I had never preached a single Korean message. And now I'm going to go to become the Korean pastor, a church that does not exist. Well, the pastor said, look, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go to Alabama, and they might like you for two days before you preach. But you're going to preach your first sermon. You're going to get fired. They're going to ship you back to me, and I have to deal with you, and I don't want that. So he said, I'll give you maybe two times to preach um, before you go, and this was June, and I was leaving in July. I said, okay, two's better than nothing. So I, I studied and studied and studied, and everything I was, I was thinking in English, and I was translating to Korean, it was a mess. And I got, and, and before, and lo and behold, before I went to Alabama to start a brand new Korean church, I had two sermons under my belt, and with much experience, I went. Flew out of LAX with a suitcase, two boxes of books, and $430 in my checking account. Had no family there, didn't know anybody there, but all I knew was that God had called me and he was going to take care of me. If I said yes by faith, that God was going to work in a miraculous way. So I got there, started to pray, started to witness, started to reach people, started to hold Bible studies and started to hold services. And though I am nothing and I'm still uh, don't have anything, I knew one thing and that was the fact that God had called me and he was going to take care of me. And by the grace of God, I'm so thankful that I can attest with what Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.12. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And church family, I just want to testify that everything that has ever happened that was good in Alabama was all because of the grace of God. And by His grace again, He's called our family to launch out by faith to plant a brand new church in Irvine. And I could have given Him very, every excuse not to go and not to obey, but God reminded me of His goodness and provision 12 years ago. And by faith, I told Him, Lord, wherever you call me, Whatever you want me to do, I'll obey again. And God was reminding Moses 
at this time. Moses, who has made you and called you and promised to be with you? Is it not I, the Lord? And church family, maybe the Lord is reminding us once again this morning if there's ever been a time where you loved the Lord more, if, or if there was ever a time where you loved this local church more, if there was ever a time where you were faithful in serving Him more, maybe it's time for us to hit that reset button and take inventory of my life and your life to see that if that spirit and passion ought to be restored. Because when God is in it, He's going to make all those things that seem impossible, possible. If God's called you, church family, go all in. That's your expectation for our family, is it not? When we moved from Alabama, all those churches that were praying for us and supporting us were all expecting us to be all in on this church plan. And by the way, if you're a part of this church, wherever you are, you need to be all in and in blossoming for the glory of God. So not only that we see that God's power makes the impossible possible, but secondly, I see that God's presence makes fear turn into faith. And I know it's a family service, by the way, kids. I only have two points, amen? So you guys can realize, oh, he's now at number two? You know, I see that kids love to jump off of things. Well, DJ, your son's still there? Is he, is he good? Okay. I'm going <laughs> to invite him. Let's give him a round of applause. Oh, he's a good runner. Now, all right, give me five. All right, what's your name? Mitchell. His name's Mitchell. Now, Mitchell, do you like to jump? You're supposed to say yes. You're ruining my illustration. Okay, he loves to jump. Okay, now I'm going to have Mitchell just jump from one step, okay? Are you ready? One, two, three, jump. Wow, that was really good. Now, Mitchell, do you want to stop right there or you want to go one more? We'll go one more? Okay, he's going to try two. Now, let's see if he can make two jumps with his hands in his pockets, okay? Here we go, ready? One, two, three. Okay, that works, that works. Okay, good job. I didn't, I didn't tell him he had to jump the whole two steps, so he's a pretty smart kid. Now, if I tell him, hey, do you want to stop here or keep going? I bet he's going to go three steps and four steps and five steps, and sooner or later he's going to come all the way back here, and he's going to try to come on this pulpit and jump. It's just an instinct of a kid. Now, Mitchell, I want you to just sit right here and right here. Okay, sit down. Okay, and look pretty for me, okay? Now, let's just say, I know he's, I know he's super athletic. I saw him. He's a very smart kid. And I, I, I don't believe that he's going to get hurt if he, even if he jumps from here. But just for the sake of illustration, let's say that Mitchell jumps off of this pulpit. But instead of landing and doing well this time, he falls right on his face. Now his face is all scarred and bleeding, and he's got a big boo-boo on his knees, and he's all crying. He's like, oh, no, it hurts. I don't want to do it again. Well, at that moment, the very last thing that I can do is convince this boy to jump again. Do you know why? When a wound is involved, the kid no longer wants to jump. You know, Moses also had a wound. Did he not kill that Egyptian taskmaster when he was seeing that 
his brothers were being bullied. Exodus chapter 2 verse 11 says, And it came to pass on those days when Moses was grown, and he went out unto his brethren, looked on upon their burdens, he spied an Egyptian, smiting on Hebrew one of his brethren, and he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. He thought that was going to be a secret forever. But eventually he gets caught and he begins to run for his life. And for many, many years I believe that Moses lived a dark life mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And he probably felt like he would never be able to be used of God again because of his past and all of that mess that he had just done. You see, one of the biggest tools and tactics that the devil uses to discourage us Christians and attack us is what I call this thing called self-talk. You ever been there when, I mean, it seems like you're talking to yourself, a conversation that you're having with yourself. But if you're not careful and you give just a little bit of place to the devil, then he jumps in and he will start begin to sow that seed of illusion and fear. Hey, Moses, I know you're a murderer. How do you think God's going to be able to use you again? Hey, Moses, hey, I know your thought life Monday to Friday. How do you think God's going to use you on Sunday? Hey, Moses, you're a failure. Hey, Moses, you cannot be used of God again. And no doubt, Moses would have been fearful. But I'm so glad for the word of God in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That is our God. And you and I also have a past. We've been hurt before. We lived our life long enough to know what it means to be hurt. Just like that kid that fell and no longer wants to jump again. But you see, I as a human being can never convince him to jump again while he's crying and down and discouraged. But there's one scenario that he would finally muster up his courage and jump again. Do you know when that is? It's when daddy shows up. Brother DJ, would you come to this platform, please? Let's give him a hand as he comes. It's when daddy shows up. Daddy comes and says, oh, man, you're supposed to look sad. Oh, man, now you're all scratched up and you're in bruises and you're bleeding everywhere. Hey, let me take care of you real quick. And the dad starts to take care of him. And he says, hey, you know, it's okay because I'm your daddy. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've been through. Hey, I'm here for you. In fact, this time, instead of jumping by yourself, Mitchell, do you want that $20 after sermon? Yes or no? <laughs> now, now, this time... Hold daddy's hand, and we're going to jump together. Ready? One, two, three, jump! Yay! Thank you, Mitchell. Thank you, Brother Israel. Church family, isn't that like our Heavenly Father? While we go through life with scars and bruises, 
and disappointments and problems that I never asked for. I didn't say kids, I just said problems that I didn't ask for. And we go through life discouraged and down. and just feels like God's not going to be able to use me anymore. But you know what? When that heavenly father, that very moment, that day when God showed up in Moses' life, and healed and mended his heart. God was able to give him a new commission and use him for his glory. Would you look with me in chapter 4 and verse 12? The Bible says, Now, therefore, go, and I will be with thy mouth, Moses, and teach thee what thou shalt say. I believe with all my heart that the God that healed and mended Moses' heart that very day is in the midst of us this morning, ready to heal, ready to mend, and ready to patch up any of your hurts so you could be used of God again. It's interesting because God gives Moses a solution and says, hey, since you say you're a stutter and you can't talk properly, I'm going to use your, I'll call your brother Aaron to help you out. Remember that? But if you read the Bible, who is it that always goes up to Pharaoh? Is it Aaron or Moses? It's Moses. That is the power of God. It doesn't matter where you are right now spiritually or what kind of failure or hurt we've experienced in the past. When the Lord is with us, we can live for Him. We can obey Him. And we can go forward in faith. Why? Because when He's with us, He takes all of our fear and turns them into faith. Isaiah 41.10 tells us, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So when Moses' fear turned into faith, by faith and with the Lord's help, he was able to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, and it's a happy ending. As we're ready to get to plan a brand new church in Irvine, there are some mixed feelings. People have told us, hey, why go to such an expensive state? In fact, why, do you go, why are you going to California when everybody's getting out of California? At first, like everybody else, we prayed about Florida, we prayed about Texas, we prayed about Georgia. Well, I mean, we were comfortable. But you see, although there were so many humanly speaking questions and doubts at times and insecurity in our hearts and minds, but the Lord provided us with His peace that passes all understanding. Since He has called us, we believe that he's going to take care of us again. And he has. There's a verse in the Bible that the Lord comforted me in this time of transition. I'd like to share it with you before we close. Psalm 119.105. Do we have that on the screen by any chance? Amen. Can we read it as a church family all together? Psalm 119.105. Ready? Begin. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see, you know that verse very well. Some of you have memorized it, memorized it in school. But that lamp is very interesting. If you think of a lamp, a lamp is not designed for us to see afar off. 
But a lamp is actually designed for us to see what's right in front of us. But boy, does it show us very bright and clear what's in front of us. So the Word of God says that the Bible is our lamp. So more importantly than any of what we're going through life, if you are sure that you're in God's will according to the book today, and you're walking by faith tomorrow to, do, to be in His will tomorrow. And as the Bible as your guide the next day, the day after on Tuesday and Wednesday, and you begin to walk every single day in His Word, it doesn't matter if it's a year from here or 10 years from here, you're going to be exactly where God wants you to be. And that is the happiest place that a Christian can be in. So we don't know all of the, all of the aesthetics. We don't know all of the details. We don't know all of that is coming. I'm not the sharpest pencil in the box. But I do know something, and it's the fact that I am, our family is in God's will today. And sometimes it takes faith. We've talked about Moses this morning. He had his doubts, and he had his insecurities, and he had some rocky pasts. But when he finally stepped up by faith and obedience to a God that makes all things impossible possible and to a God that turns all of our fear into faith, this is God's very last words about Moses. Would you look with me in Hebrews 11, 24, and we'll be done. I know I'm a Baptist preacher. I already said that twice, but I really mean it this time. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. You see, the three first words, God giving his thoughts and his ideas and his words about Moses, it says, by faith, Moses. It doesn't say that scary cat that I had to spank him a few times to get him in shape, Moses. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that Moses that had all that insecurity and the guy that I really had to help Moses doesn't say that. The Bible says, by faith, Moses. And I pray that that is a testimony for every single person in this room as you live your Christian life. Hey, I want to be at the end of the day when my life is over, I want God to look at my life and be able to say by the grace of God, by faith, James. By faith, and your name, because we are commanded to live a life of faith. So the question is, I wonder what is it that is stopping you from taking your next step of faith? In a room this size, everybody's going to be in different spectrums of where they are spiritually. Everybody's going to be different. It's going to look different for everybody where your next step of faith is. But everybody has room to grow, amen? We all have those next steps of faith, and sometimes we can't go forward because of our fear or our pride or our insecurity or our past, but all the Lord is asking is, it's not for your ability, it's not for all of what you have, but a simple yes by faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. What is your next step in your faith journey that you need to give it to the Lord and say, Lord, I've been struggling with this, but 
I'm going to give it to you by faith, and I want to make that decision. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.